To hear the full episode, become a patron at patreon.com slash deathpanelpod. Today is Monday, July 3rd. We are just a month and a half out from the end of the public health emergency, which was May 11th. We are three months out from the April 1st Medicaid cliff or the so-called Medicaid unwinding. Millions of people have been and are being kicked off of Medicaid. 71% of those who were already kicked off have had their coverage terminated for procedural reasons like late paperwork. And although data are limited, children accounted for over one third of those disenrollments in the five states that report age breakdowns. Now, in terms of COVID, information on cases and deaths has become not just inaccessible, it's been disappeared. The CDC is now reporting COVID deaths not as a number of deaths, but as a percentage of deaths in the past week and a percentage of change from the prior week. And the call to rely on wastewater data rings pretty hollow considering that the U.S. has less than 2,000 data sites, with many states having only one or two places that is collecting and reporting that. So amidst all of this, the mouthpieces for the COVID response are also changing. Um, and many of the most visible faces of the Biden pandemic response are already out of the White House. Um, yeah. As many listeners may remember, COVID's are Ashish Jha's last day was June 15th of this year. And as I mentioned at the top, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky finally stepped down uh, last Friday, June 30th. There's no curtain call, no final bow, no walk down. The lights have just been fucking turned <laughs> off. There's no... No grand people's finale. inquisition. Uh. Yeah, there's no like <laughs> no. grand finale of yeah. the sociological production of the end of the pandemic. We've just entered like the next phase of the end, which is a long, distended, abject refusal to like turn the lights back on. Well, and she is now, you know, proceeding to the next phase of the natural life cycle of a, you know, American politician, which is the return to the private market. Presumably. Well, um, yeah. And it's so funny because the way that she's been talking about it is like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, no plans. Like, just going to read and like focus on me. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know, it's it's interesting because I feel like I have a sense of deja vu about this because there are so <laughs> many times when we've had a similar conversation. You know, we did a similar one when Jeff Science originally stepped down. Ugh. Obviously, Jeff Science, uh, you know, returned later <laughs> as the now chief of staff to the Biden administration, meaning he has even more power than he did before. But, you know, it's, it's a similar situation. Today, we are going to be looking back uh, in a way at Rochelle Walensky's tenure as CDC director. But it is the, the sense of deja vu that I have is sitting down for one of these conversations, looking back and thinking about some of the stuff that Walensky has been saying um, recently, even of her tenure at the CDC, as she, I guess, not prepares to step out, as she now has stepped out. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, having to basically say, I would love to be able to just celebrate this, right? I would love to be able to celebrate like, great, Walensky is out. But of course, you know, the overall apparatus that she was a part of, you know, no one person leaving the Biden administration is going to change what, like no one replacement is going to change what has been a disastrous COVID response. Walensky leaving can't hurt necessarily unless the replacement is somehow worse we'll you know we'll find out what happens then but you know in the end it's just it's one of these things where it's difficult like once again we're seeing without fanfare without as i kind of joked like public inquisition or whatever <laughs> yeah um without being forced out the you know a, a biden administration COVID official leaving on their own terms yeah absolutely well, yeah and this is important because 
this, you know, the occasion of her leaving is an opinion for her to like write the narrative of not only her time, you know, at the helm of the CDC, but also the narrative of COVID-19 and the Biden administration's response to it, you know, and to get this received version of events into kind of the official record and into public memory. And um, I think it's important for us to do our part to like resist that, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like one of the things that I can't stop thinking about or has been really on my mind rather as I've been preparing for this episode has been something that Phil said way back when we were covering Jeff Science leaving for the first time. Um, (laughs) I know, gosh. And, you know, what Phil was saying is that when you are sort of in the game of being like the head of an agency, right? Like the replacement of that figurehead is a political strategy that Mm -hmm. is leveraged often. And part of the reason why, even if it's, you know, the same sort of exact ideology that's replacing Walensky and we get nothing better nor nothing worse, what we will have sort of automatically is this period of transition where there's confusion and there's shift and people have to kind of get to know the new person in the office. So even if nothing changes, And all of the same critiques of that figurehead remain from one person to the next. Simply the change of job and the change of of, of figurehead in that role for many people is enough for at least to delay their critiques down the line a yeah, couple it's a PR months. Reset. And it yeah. buys you yeah. time. It buys you time and freedom from that pressure that that you, you know, and I think that's really part of what's important to understand here is that these agency head roles and Rochelle's been very explicit about this. I mean, we've talked about how she said, you know, my job is to paint the CDC in a good light. And that's really the central core like focus of what my job has been. And she's not out there saying my job was to make sure that school was safe for all kids all across America. She was like, my job was to make the (laughs) CDC look good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. You know, but she is saying like, she's like, you know, my job is to make the CDC look good as we balance um, the need to sort of reopen the economy preemptively, knowing that this is going to mean that some people are going to be thrown into a circumstance that is choose your own risk with no good options. And it's her job to make the CDC look good through that, ultimately. Yeah. Well, she sounds like an AI trained on just like the most inane first year MPH student (laughs) papers about health equity or whatever, because I don't know, I was like listening to this, you know, we can get into this more later, but I was listening to this Q&A that she did with the dean of, I think, like the Boston University School of Public Health and like just the way, the matter of factness with which she was discussing exactly this issue and the matter of factness with which she was like, well, um, if the economy is shut down, that is also that can also cause like health harms down the road. Like bet you didn't think of that. And I was just like, you are the worst. <laughs> Boston University School of Public Health, March 30th, 2023. Health and policy, they inter- they are interrelated with politics um, by virtue of the fact that health an economy is a and school and you know name your other travel name your other you know many of your other spaces are values judgments 
do you place the value of your economy being open over your risk of health? Mm -hmm. Those are values judgments. And we don't get to decide how everybody else places those values. Um, and at that intersection is politics. Do we have a role to play in shaping values? Um, I think we have a role to play in helping to understand risk. But I don't think we get to say it's more important to have this amount of risk than it is to say that economy, you know, that your, your, your value on economy. And I think we all should acknowledge as we think about like some groups that have, that are, have zero risk tolerance to say, well, if an economy is closed, that has really important downstream health implications. And we can't forget about those as well. The retroactive kind of smug certainty you know what I mean? Like just the ossifying of the Biden administration's narrative, like, well, there's no such thing as zero risk. And we did what we could do. And actually, we were pretty successful and nobody really sees the the victory. You know, no one sees the CDC working well. No one notices. Uh, you know, people right. only notice when they fuck up so dramatically that over a million people die. like. Yeah, it's, I mean, um, she's, that's a, that's explicitly her defense in that. In yeah. that, uh, Q&A that you're talking about. I mean, yeah. tell me without telling me you've never had to work a grunt job in customer service, but whatever. <laughs> so I think let's let's uh, set up what we're going to talk about today, though. So, you know, we could today play the hits, as it were. You know, we yeah. could talk about we could go through, you know, her tenure as CDC director and, you know, talk about all the, you know, let's say like the time mask mandates were dropped in 2021 or pushing the pandemic of the unvaccinated line, saying that people dying from COVID are unwell to begin with, saying that masking is the quote-unquote scarlet letter mm-hmm. of the pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but as it happens, there are a bunch of recent statements that she's made, I think, either trying to, I suppose, position her move out of the administration, position perhaps her legacy, that have really given us some really interesting insight, I think, into both how she viewed her role as CDC director and also how the Biden administration views viewed perhaps the use of her in that role. And I think so what we're going to do is go through a couple of these things. One is this opinion piece that she wrote for the New York Times, which uh, when I saw it immediately made fun of on on Twitter um, because the headline was originally our pandemic, like Rochelle Walensky, our pandemic despair is fading too quickly. You know, bit like very big. We're all yeah. looking for the guy who did this moment, um, uh, which shortly after was changed to the the new headline for this Walensky opinion piece in the Times is "What I Need to Tell America Before I Leave the CDC." Um, so we're going to talk about that and a, a couple of the things that are said in there, and then we're going to go through some sort of longer than usual clips, actually, of. Walensky giving testimony recently to the House Oversight Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic, where there were some, I would say, it's fair to say, surprising lines of questioning that we want to (sighs) draw some attention to and highlight and also sort of plumb for what is, you know, sort of revealed from them that has been largely ignored. So to hear the full episode, become a patron at patreon.com slash deathpanelpod. You'll get access to this and the rest of our catalog of patron-only episodes. And be the first to get a new patron episode every Monday when it drops. With love, the Death Panel.